0: You're listening to the Weekly Service Podcast, the weekly source of ideas with heart for a thriving future.
1: Abe Nook is a poet, a community educator, a mentor, and a humble human being with an infectious sense of gratitude. In this podcast, he talks about how he fled civil war in Sudan to come to Australia and his journey to creativity and gratitude as a way of unravelling the numbness and trauma he grew up with. He talks about discovering how important it is to be available for life, and his daily appreciation of the lavish freedom of living in a peaceful country. Just a quick note, when I was with Abe, the audio on some of my questions was very quiet, so I've had to re-record some of them. I started by asking Abe if he'd like to perform some of his poetry. Put you on the spot. <laughs> Too easy. <laughs>
0: Too easy. Too easy. Be available for a life you want to live. Not everything is for everyone. Not everyone can match the energy you bring, and that's okay. Your extraordinary sense of being should not be limited by rules and regulations and it's alright to respect those rules and regulations but the boundary of your soul is limitless be available for a life you want to live but also understand that availability comes with the virtue of sacrifice what's your freedom worth I don't know what you've been through this year I don't know what you're asking for so here's a guess If you want to be more forgiving, be understanding that you will go through trials and tribulations that will challenge your habits of holding grudges just so you can learn to forgive more. If you want to be more lovable, be understanding that you will have to go through situations where you will feel unloved and cared for, unseen and heard and touched. That's because you need to be the one who does the loving. If you want to be more patient, be understanding that you will go through trials and tribulations that will challenge your old habits of being impatient. There's no easy way out. Because the easiest way through is to find the hardest route. If you want more, be understanding that you will have to experience less because the less you have will remind you of how much you could do without having the more that you feel the need to have no one ever justifies savings but we save because the idea is the more we have the more we can do if you want to be alive you have to set yourself free thank you oh and be available for a life you want to live. Yeah. <laughs> you thought I forgot, didn't
1: you? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's such a, a rich piece, so much to think about. In that. Um, if you look back at your um, childhood and and Your upbringing. Do you see the kind of the seeds or the beginnings of this feeling of gratitude and, and this creativity that's such a part of your life now? Can you kind of trace that back to somewhere?
0: Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think <laughs> there's the response. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 trying to. I think word it is one of the reasons why I'm so frustrated and at the same time, um, enlighten. Uh, I think selfishly, is about the whole process into being here. Um, it's come from being able to numb my feelings and circumstances. I think we did it together as a family, and then we did it together individually, and then we did it together collectively, and then when we, when we arrived in Australia, it was a matter of, are you serious? We have to contribute to community emotionally, outside, socially be receptive to people who ask how you doing. And it's like, why do you care? Because mm-hmm. uh, the mentality that everyone around you really wishes you dead or wishes you harm doesn't just go away overnight. Uh, and then you kind have of to, have to construct yourself together after you break yourself apart. And I think being able to, being able to understand the expressiveness of being thankful, and then being able to read it right it's kind of allowed me that ability to literally break myself down emotionally and go dude you have to confront this you have to stay your your past um, in the eye and kind of accept it for all the hurt and all the, all the unexplainable circumstances that have happened because at some point you start to go okay that's that was okay back then uh, in the whole journey itself, right now, it's kind of it's being able to lovingly reassure myself that I can be um, of service, that I can make this whole, make it a, make, make everything right now count for something, which is being present, making time for what matters, which is really in a lot of ways is being able to tender to other people's presence, um, but. I think I've become an artist in, 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 in procrastinating, dealing with everything and being able to um, finally un- unravel it. I think, I think the journey wouldn't make sense if it wasn't for uh, mum's mom's guidance, Mum's um, persistent, persistent little nagging and reminding us of how much she would do if she were in our position. That's, that's at the bar, day in, day out. Um, but none of, none of this makes sense. And that's realising that that's okay. That's the way, that's the way it is. Um, and being able to, to accept without actually, without accepting it too.
1: Here I said to Abe, so for people who don't know, you were born in Sudan, you went to Egypt, and then you came to Australia in 2004.
0: Mum varies that story. <laughs> <laughs> she she lovingly speaks about how she met Dad, um, and every time she's every time every time she would paint him as this uh, figure that had to win her over. And it's like, really? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on fleek. So <laughs> like I was on fleek. My sisters use that terminology a lot, so she she kind of has to. She does her comebacks with it, uh, <laughs> but, but mom and dad were born in, in in South Sudan, of course, during the first Anyanya's, the first Anyanya War, and, and uh, in in the early nineteen seventies, that's when they that's when they met. And mom mom's family used to have the biggest uh, farming of cows in South Sudan, in the state that they were living in. So she, she was a big deal. She was a big deal. Uh, and so when the war broke out, her whole family had to, people scattered. That's That was at the time when when she married dad. And so they moved up to Khartoum. Uh, and how I came to be was she was hustling. That's how, the, that's how my siblings put it. Uh, so she got, when she was expecting me, she started selling alcohol. And at the time, because of the Sharia laws in Khartoum, um, you weren't allowed to sell alcohol. But of course you could do it. When you keep it really under down low. So, when she was arrested, she birthed me in prison. So I came out a convict. <laughs> I got a <kinda> late. <laughs> uh, and in, in the early, in, in the early, but in the late 1990s, that's when they started deliberating, because uh, Dad was arrested under the cons- under in charge of conspiracy from um, being the south of Sudan, and at one point he was asked to turn in his family, and so he obliged to do that, of course, and then instead of actually turning us in, we caught a boat and went to Egypt, uh, and then t- to this day, we still don't, it's it's something that mom wouldn't speak about, something that we've come to accept in terms of uh, what may have happened to him, just understanding that as a sacrifice, that that instantaneous decision came from came from trying to trying to make sure that his kids have had it a little bit better than, than he did. So we ended up in Cairo of course and at the time and the the way they were processing refugees were that you had um, what they call you had you had to fill out a form and you would have you would get three chances. And by the time you get a fourth, you would fill out a case stating why you were seeking asylum and and if you get three close cases you would you would never be processed again so you would you would have to find other means which explains why people jump on boats and come here because there's no other means and so the three options were you would either you would either be processed to go to Canada or the states and everybody wanted to go to America but when 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 all of our when all of our cases got rejected the first time mom filled out the form she got rejected of course second time she filled it out at the at the UNHCR office, she got rejected. And the third time, she was reminded that if she got rid of some of her kids, because she had a lot of the kids, her chances might increase in terms of making it. Which, this also comes to explain the story of the lost boys and the lost girls. Mm-hmm. Um, some families would give up some of their kids to uh, to make it easier to, to migrate. Um, and we remember specifically, she, she before she filled out that third form, she came home and asked us about it. And, Do you guys... Do you guys want to split up? And there was, of course, was the the four girls and the four boys. And uh, every, the form was right there. She, she she could tick the eight boxes, or she could tick uh, the kids that she wanted to take. And of course, ev- everyone said no. And so she filled out the form and took it back. Six months later, we didn't hear nothing. Uh, fast forward, 2000, 2003, we didn't hear nothing. Um, and it was the reality was starting to sink in. Um, I, don't, I don't think there was a family that prayed as much as we did. I mean, talking about praying with all the ounces in your body and being on your knees and just asking for that validation of if if this gets through, we'll make the most of ourselves. And it was six months later, in early 2000, 2004, that she was she was called in to she has to find a means to purchase tickets. That she was going to Australia. She was like, "Sure, we'll take it." Um, there was a church in Box Hill that, that gave out loans, and mom um, took that loan and March thirtieth, 2004, we landed in Melbourne, Australia. The fairy tale kind of still doesn't make sense. still doesn't make sense. But I guess. I think faith plays a role in that. When you know something is beyond your control, you kind of have to give in to the notion of understanding that there's, there's, there's goodness in it in spite, of, um, in spite of what the outcome might be. And here we are. Well and here I am.
1: I asked Abe what role learning the English language played in his journey
0: was turning on the TV on a Saturday morning uh, and watching Steve Owen. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> of course we didn't know it was TV so it was, it was like, can, can, you, can you imagine mum and all of my brothers and sisters just looking at the TV going, this man is going to get eaten by, by the crocodile. And his, 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 his enthusiasm um, about nature, he was just like, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, it is just the, the way he spoke, the way he, um, the way he made everything harmonize, I think challenged my perception in terms of uh, wanting to learn the language. Of course, the role of language came from the necessity, just being able to respond. We chucked into year nine, my brother and I barely being able to speak the language. And the teacher was like, What's Pi Square? And I was like, You are the teacher <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about Pi for? <laughs> this is math. Um, and she was like, I see you after class. And then after after <laughs> after class, um she was laughing. Like I, 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 and from that moment on, um, I knew that my ignorance can serve me in terms of if, if I'm authentic about it, if I'm genuine about the things that I don't know. And so, from then on, kind of opened up avenues to to want to learn the language and just longing for that expression to be able to express the things that I'm grateful for was was where writing came in. S- still being able to um, word the things that I saw the things the things that made me feel, and realizing that all feelings are okay just um, finally being able to be emotionally secure of course it came from from mum being uh, insistent in that we we just we have to realize that now it's about it's about community uh, my older brother graduated as a He's a doctor. He's a biochemist. What a show!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's studying his PhD now. And, and mom is like, "What do you do exactly?" I'm like, don't don't you worry about me. I got this. I think so. Uh, and the, the girls, of course, have two of them have become nurses. Peter is just finishing year twelve this year. Uh, and so for me, it's being able to, being able to watch them uh, go at it and, and just realize that uh, well, f- from, the, from the very fact that mom does not compare us against each other, mm-hmm. has become, it allows me this freedom to, to, to seek out um, complete expressiveness without, well, in, in hoping that it empowers other people to be in a lot more ways than one, just true to their feelings, true to your to emotions and, and you will discover wonders within yourself. Yeah. I, that's the only reason why I'm sitting here. It's not that, that I have anything that anybody else doesn't have. It's just that I think once I turn the flashlight on the inside, finally being able to sew up the past and what it, the hurt that it created, and being able to embody everything and being, being not confident in it, but just e- expressive in that hopefully it empowers others to step into their own um, greatness. If you're not if you're not truthful to who you are then the world around you becomes a matter of trying to avoid it and there's nothing more fulfilling and liberating other than knowing that just know your truth keep your peace and speak your joy it's it's, it's such an easy format but of course it, it, it takes effort uh, regardless of how many times um, or how many kids work with of course there's the part of growth that comes from you have to let them actually um, either sink or swim in their own in their own discovery of who they are instead of trying to constantly um, step in it's almost like okay you've got to give yourself permission to to know that your mistakes are precisely why you're going to grow um, your misdirections is precisely the very thing that's going to lead you to where you will actually feel comfortable I don't. I don't think the mentoring has anything to do except from being there, but at the same time, knowing when to be absent, uh, and it's 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 hard to do because I've always wanted to be as as eloquent as these guys have been in terms of their expressiveness, but it's. Uh, I think some of the some of the little the little girls who were fourteen and sixteen and who have been through some horrific abusive times where we go okay. How do I approach this as a male without trying to, without being forceful in that? Okay, uh, I understand what you're going through because I don't. A lot of the times, it's just being able to know that silence speaks volume. So the the, the differences is there where it's, it's almost like I wanted to grow the same way these these youth are growing. So to to, to realize that. To be in their presence at the same time nurtures me is a is a huge, huge gift. But at the same time it's getting them to understand the, the depth of their freedom and what they what they decide to do with it. And at some point as a human being you realize that the virtue of sacrifice will really get you to understand um, where you want your life to go. And of course art gives you that, that platform of of expression. And I think at some point when you when you gather everything about yourself, regardless of how you choose to express it in in writing or in photography or in poetry or in music, the truth is the essence of it. that will go on to serve people that you may never even get to meet. And at the same time, that very truth will provide humor, will provide liberation, and will provide love. When we think about it, this world is built on the basis of ideologies, and the best of them are feelings. Love, kindness, and laughter. And the healing kind of happens on its own.
1: The service ended with Abe performing another of his spoken word pieces.
0: Be available. No, I did that already. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: yeah. Does this guy have
0: anything new? <laughs> how old is How old is he or she? First one. Wow! Happy Mother's Day for all the years to come. Wow! It's something like who's this guy? Why is he speaking? <laughs> my father was not the most educated man, but every choice he made kept my family alive. So to me, he was wise, despite not having academic credentials, he knew the basis, the basics of life, that is, an honest man really has nothing to fear, and that a man who cannot read or write is not exempt from imagining a future. My father was illiterate, my mom was practically the same, she had no formal education, yet When she speaks, I listen intently and have come to the conclusion that she is an uneducated philosopher, a woman with an active imagination, deprived from reading books. Mum, and the women of her generation were excluded from schools because they were too busy focusing on survival. I can only imagine the possibilities had she two of life's precious tools, the ability to read and write. Every morning she gets up and goes to Ames, comes home determined to remind us that one day, one of these days, she'll be able to write her own story. And of course, we can't help but be driven by the fact that how can a woman who has had nothing in her life be determined to have the one thing that so many of us don't even pay mind? I sit before you, a representation of the vision from both parents who had no formal education yet decided to settle for the impossible, my freedom. I don't think I will ever understand how much of a big deal living in this country is. To know that they decided to settle for the impossible, which is for me to be able to do whatever I choose to do, that's huge. Of course, Dad died just before we got here, but that's life, right? You win some and you. Lose some. The virtue of sacrifice is to know that somebody else has it just a little bit better than you have. Which means, if it means you have to put yourself on a pedestal, so be it. I grew up in a household with eight children. The best part about it, whenever something broke at home, I was innocent until proven guilty. There are seven more suspects, and I'm the middle child, so guess who's always proven guilty by the jury of his peers? Yours truly. If we ever held parental meetings, mom would justify dad's absence. Children have a habit of learning to forgive. We did. In 1999, my mother made a decision. In 2000, she executed. At around 3 a.m., one morning, we found ourselves Packing suitcases that did not contain much and we were jammed into a van. I wanted to stuff my childhood belongings and all of my friends into mine. Impossible, I know, I tried. Some things, regardless of how far back we stretch our arms to reach, will always get left behind. I learned children learn to let go. We found ourselves in Cairo, a pretty decent temporary place considering we were refugees. Cairo was hot, Cairo was so hot, I got a permanent tan. It goes political correctness. <laughs> Nothing could have prepared us for the odds. Sometimes, it's not the challenges you face, it's whether you choose to follow through. Those with parachutes hesitate to fly, those without take a leap of faith. My mother, she leaped, and she always talks about, if you are not aiming for the stars, don't bother looking up. By the time we looked up, it was too late. On March 30th, 2004, we landed in Melbourne, Australia, and my brother and I walked into Hungry Jacks for the first time, and they had free refills.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a long day <laughs> life as we knew it was never the same since eight siblings and a widowed mother we are far from being the heroes of this story but the Australian Embassy in Cairo where Moms saw Asylum on our behalf on Australian valued my mother's efforts it's the only reason I'm granted this platform and a home where my siblings and I could break things and we would never have to break up for survival the landing of a pen stroke. It's difficult to think that someone sealed my family's fate using a pen. These days whenever I get asked, it's because I know what the pen is capable of doing. The first time we flushed, I ran out yelling at my brother to come see all the clean water going to waste. We were so naive. No one had explained to us that that was the toilet water. Ever since then we've had no further explanations, except that ever paraphrased. that's the way it is. No further questions for no further answers. Once my brother and I got so greedy we smothered what looked like Nutella heavily on our pieces of toasted bread. Little did we know that vegemite tasted like vegemite. <laughs> Today, whenever we see vegemite, we cringe in horror. <laughs> just the other day, David asked, Do you wanna go flush the toilet? We still do it just to marvel at all the fresh water and disbelief that we actually live in Australia. Mom, of course, walked by. When are you guys gonna grow up? <laughs> I think never, they say, nothing lasts forever, I think we're going to be the very kids who were never allowed to grow up to be, at least on the internet. Thanks for listening to another weekly service podcast. Each story is recorded live at the weekly service, a weekly curated gathering on Saturday mornings where people share stories, listen to music, pause for reflection and engage in thought-provoking conversations. If you'd like to know more or attend a
1: weekly service, visit our Facebook page or our website, theweeklyservice.com.